Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast today. You know, it's now uh, late fall, and I can't help but remembering, since I spent 20 years as a Protestant evangelical, including being a Protestant pastor and youth pastor and Bible Institute founder, that right now we are in the anniversary season of the Protestant Reformation. And at the same time, we find ourselves in a culture that's obviously in deep trouble, as well as a church with a widespread crisis going on. And today, I would like to propose a surprising way to renew the church. In fact, it's almost a totally neglected way to renew the church. Now, I'd like to be clear. Many people are proposing ways to fix, so to speak, the crisis going on in the church. I think there is the possibility, I don't know the future, there's the possibility that the crisis going on in the church may not be fixed for a considerable period of time maybe even a long time. So when I'm talking about a surprising way to renew the church, I'm not necessarily talking about how to turn the entire ship around, but if the culture doesn't reverse, the wider church crisis doesn't go away anytime, there could be what Pope Benedict XVI described as a smaller but far more faithful church that's also, let's hope, less bureaucratic. And here's my proposal. It's very simple, and I'm going to ask in advance the uh, an apology given to my friend Scott Hahn. But here's my proposal. What if there were a hundred more Scott Hans converting to Catholicism, or maybe even 500 Scott Hans converting to Catholicism? And then maybe add to that a couple of hundred more Marcus Grodis, because we would need something like the Coming Home Network to assist these evangelicals coming into the church. You ever thought what that would do to the Catholic Church in this day and age? That's my proposal. Now, I'm going to say something that most of you listening to Catholic radio or on the podcast are simply not going to believe. In fact, you're going to think I'm talking about little green men living on the far side of the moon, but here it goes. Almost everyone listening to this broadcast has the capability to bring into the Catholic Church highly educated and dedicated evangelical pastors and scholars. Now you're saying, Steve, I'm not a theologian. I don't have a PhD. I don't even have a master's degree. I realize that most of the people listening right now are moms and dads. They're businessmen and women, law enforcement officers, nurses, doctors, clerks, storekeepers, who, whatever. I'm not talking about theological experts. I'm talking about you listening to this broadcast right now have the capability to bring in, to help bring in, a hundred more Scott Hans to the Catholic faith. And here's the reason that you have the ability, 
with minimal resources to lead an evangelical pastor or scholar into the church. And it comes from a single verse found in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 17, it says this, He who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. He who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. And what I am sharing with you today, we're now coming up to the 501st anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. And the Protestants have done a very good job of stating their case of Martin Luther's theory of justification by faith. The whole justification question, that, that's what split the church in two. But the last half of Proverbs 18, 17, until the other, the other being the Catholic side of this whole justification question, until the other comes and examines him, this hasn't been done as well as it should be. And as a result, we have a potential of healing the division between Protestants and Catholics and bringing in some very highly talented, godly, pious men to help renew the church. I'm just going to get autobiographical because um, I never heard the other side. Just share with you a little bit. I was involved in a Southern California megachurch youth ministry. I was in instructor in the Calvary Chapel Bible School. I was a theology graduate of Assembly of God College. I uh, attended and graduated from an evangelical seminary. I engaged in campus and youth ministry. I founded a second institute for biblical studies. I was a church planter with the Presbyterian Church in America and pastor for a decade. And with all that, during my 20 years, I certainly made the statement stating the case for Protestant theory of justification. But in my 20 years as an evangelical Protestant, I didn't encounter a single Catholic able to explain to me the Catholic beliefs on justification. That is, how do you get right with God in order to have eternal life? This is the big question. And not a single Catholic that I led out of the Catholic Church while as an evangelical pastor and youth pastor objected to my mischaracterizations of what Catholics believe about justification. Not a single Catholic in 20 years gave me a Protestant 18 verse 17 challenge. And I'm not saying they would have to even, you know, spar with me. I would have been very happy if a Catholic would have given me a tape. Now, for those of you who weren't around 1990, you may not know what these things were when I talk about cassette tapes, but I've been very happy for a cassette tape with someone in 60 minutes or less simply explaining to me the other side of the issue. I didn't hear the other side. I heard the first to state his case, and it seemed right to me so right that I led Catholics out of the church because I didn't hear the other side. I was sincere in my beliefs, but I was sincerely wrong. And I'm not alone in this. Now, 
guess what happens? Okay, an evangelical pastor who used to lead people out of the Catholic Church gets interested in the Catholic Church. And through a priest friend that I met in the pro-life movement, he approached my bishop, and they decided for the sake of peace in the community that it wouldn't be a good idea to put me in an RCAA program and kind of a public type thing. So he appointed a priest uh, to meet with myself and my family. And this priest, very wise in a sense, decided that there wouldn't be a curriculum, but, well, I guess you would say the curriculum was questions. We were to bring questions, and his job was to bring answers if he knew them. If not, he would go to the uh, parish library and get resources for us. So I want you to sit there right now and think real hard. What was my first, my primary, my burning question for this priest when I was considering entering the Catholic Church? It was not 99% of the questions you hear asked on Catholic radio and TV. My one overriding question had to deal with justification. And this is the overriding barrier keeping hundreds, if not thousands, of Scott Hans from entering the Catholic Church. It's the doctrine of justification. Just recently, I was out in Texas for an apologetics conference, and I was chatting with a deacon that was also a high-ranking enlisted man in the army assisting the Catholic chaplain, and he knew a lot of the other Protestant ministers who were chaplains. And he says a number of these are reading the church fathers and coming right up to the, to the border, so to speak, between Protestantism and Catholicism, and he asked them, well, why don't you convert? Oh, that's easy, justification. Do you see this? They're reading the fathers. They're getting the idea of the small C Catholic church, but they can't make the step into the capital C Catholic church. Why? Because of justification. We need Catholic chaplains, from what I understand. What's keeping them at the border? Justification. You know, if you're coaching... Uh, Little League Baseball, what do you tell kids? Keep your eye on the ball. If you want to hit the ball, keep your eye on the ball. And keep your eye on the ball if you want to have hundreds or thousands of conversions of potential Scott Hans coming in the Catholic Church. This is possible, but I dare say we've taken our eye off the ball. Let me ask this, because I know a lot of you have loved ones, family members, sons and daughters who have left the Catholic Church. Do you want your family members to return to the Catholic faith? If you can keep your eye on the ball, not only is the potential for your family members to come back to the Catholic faith, their pastor will come back with them. You don't think so? I can remember we shared with one family when Karen and I made the decision to become Catholics with close friends, one family only, did we share. And, and this, the, the husband was an elder in my congregation, and he started investigating and for several months did a lot of reading and everything else. And 
one, I think it was on a Monday, he called me and he said, Steve, our pilgrimage is over. We're not becoming Catholics. And I said to him, can you just wait? I'm going to bring over two cassette tapes by a friend of mine who converted named Scott Hahn. And guess what the tapes were about? Justification. I took two cassette tapes over to this good man who had really researched Catholicism, came up to the border, stopped. We're not going any further. I said, just give two tapes a listening to. And by the end of the week, they were on their pilgrimage, continuing on their pilgrimage to become Catholics. And today they are Catholics. Their children are Catholics, including children that I baptized in the Presbyterian Church, and their grandchildren are Catholics. Two tapes, justification, okay. Oh, Stephen Covey made millions of dollars selling books and expensive life skill seminars. And you know what the essence of it is? This is Stephen Covey. If you've never been to a $500 seminar, here's what you need to know. Keep the main thing the main thing, period. That's it. You will be successful in life by keeping the main thing the main thing. You will be successful in business by keeping the main thing the main thing. Keep your focus. And on apologetics, and don't get me wrong, there are literally hundreds of legitimate apologetic questions, but they are secondary. And without people getting a firm grasp of justification, and now I've been a Catholic for 28 years, And I continue to see a nearly complete lack of understanding of Protestant or Catholic justification. We're not keeping the main thing the main thing. And here we go. This is the politically incorrect part of the show. But if I would give a letter grade like you get in school for Catholic media, I'm talking about print, TV, radio, the whole bit, blogs and podcasts, My letter grade for keeping the eye on the ball for apologetics would be somewhere between a D and a D minus. We can answer the secondary questions, but we need to have shows. Okay, this is a show for secondary apologetics. And we're going to talk about those hundred important questions today that are just burning in your minds. But before we get to that, This show is dedicated to keeping the main thing the main thing, and that's justification. Because if you don't do that, Proverbs 18, 17 says, he who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. But what if the other one doesn't show up? It'll go on for 500 years. And now we're in 501 years since the Protestant Reformation. We need to get the focus back. I just want to encourage you. And I'm not saying you have to learn even everything about justification. All it took for me to get a very well-educated Presbyterian elder to continue his journey was two cassette tapes. That was it. And probably one would have been enough, but two, it was over the top. You can have some minimal resources and you, listening to me right now, realizing where the center of all this is. Your family member may have left the church because you don't like this, this, or this, or this, or that about the Catholic church, but you give a simple resource on justification and say, share this with your pastor and see what he thinks. Get both of them back. This is fully possible. This is a true story. 
There is a man by the name of Richard White who was a seminarian at a place called Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. It's highly regarded evangelical seminary. It's called TEDS for short. If you're an evangelical, everybody knows about TEDS. And as a seminarian, Richard White got the idea to write a essay, a term paper, on the Catholic view of justification. And he wasn't even going to have as his purpose to prove Catholic justification is right or wrong. He had a simple goal to state accurately what Catholics believed about justification. Now, let me tell you about Dr. White's professor at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. This is important because you're sitting there thinking, I'm talking about green men on the other side of the moon when an average person can lead a highly educated, pious, talented, evangelical scholar into the church. Dr. Harold O.J. Brown was his professor. Dr. Brown was one of the nation's top five evangelical leaders. He played a key role in getting evangelicals involved in the pro-life movement. Christianity Today, a leading evangelical magazine, described Dr. Brown as, quote, one of the brightest thinkers that this generation of Christians has seen. He has been a monumental influence over the last 30 years in American evangelicalism. Dr. Brown earned four degrees from Harvard University and Harvard Divinity School. And just to top that off, he did further studies in Europe with Fulbright and Danforth Fellowships. He was a theological brainiac. So, lowly evangelical seminarian Richard White turned in his essay on the Roman Catholic doctrine of justification to Dr. Brown. When it came time to return the papers to the students, uh, Richard White was just a little late in getting back to class, and when he came, he was shocked to discover that Dr. Brown had made copies of Richard's paper on the Catholic view of justification and given a copy to each student in this evangelical seminary class. And then Dr. Brown asked Richard, when are you going to take the big step? Meaning, when are you going to become a Catholic? You see, there's nothing left to protest as a protestant if doctrine of justification isn't a dividing line between Protestants and Catholics. But Richard innocently answered, well, Dr. Brown, I'm not even engaged yet. He had a girlfriend. He thought Dr. Brown was asking him, when is he going to get married? Dr. Brown was asking, when are you going to become a Catholic? And here's the shocker. This man who Christianity today described as one of the brightest thinkers in this generation of Christians and American evangelicalism, Dr. Brown was a cradle Catholic who left the church for evangelicalism. This utterly brilliant and pious man with four Harvard degrees was floored by a seminarian's brief essay on the doctrine of justification. You see, it goes like this. He who states his case first seems right until finally someone comes and examines him. You know, Scott Hahn very kindly wrote a blurb for the back of my book entitled 
grace and justification, an evangelical's guide to Catholic beliefs. And when Scott kindly sent the blurb back, he pleaded with me to include Richard White's seminary essay in the appendix of my book. It's only nine pages, nine pages, with a man with four Harvard degrees, Fulbright and Danforth scholarships, a leading evangelical scholar throughout the country, nine pages, nine pages. Shortly after we became Catholic, Scott and I used to speak at very large conferences in Southern California, and a very interesting, Scott, at his own expense, made copies of Richard White's essay and handed out copies to those attending to be able to share with Catholics so they could see this. Now, why, why do you think Scott Hahn did this? Well, he knows firsthand, Proverbs eighteen seventeen, that he who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Now, if you're listening to this broadcast and just an average person with no formal theological training, and you're willing to take kind of a bold step. This is what's required, because I'm trying to convince you that so many hundreds, if not thousands, of pious, highly educated evangelical leaders have never heard the other side of the story. You could simply give a copy of my book, and believe me, I am not on the air. In fact, I don't like people get on the air and think it's designed, Catholic radio is designed to be an advertisement. I don't like marketing my stuff, and I'm not trying to market. I'm trying to get you a tool to give to Protestant leaders, to give to Protestant family members, and give them a copy of my book and simply say, say, give this to your pastor. And if he's very busy, all pastors are busy, just say, if you're busy, just read the nine-page appendix, and I'll be happy. That's it, nine pages, nine pages to get a man with four Harvard degrees in an evangelical seminary to give out the other side to a group of students, and he would automatically assume that once you read these nine pages, or in this case for Richard White, he has written these nine pages, there's nothing less to protest. It's time to cross over. Well, just so you know the rest of the story, Richard White did convert. He went on to further studies, and he is now the head of the theology department of the Catholic Benedictine University. Very interesting. Let me tell you another one. Marcus Grodi, seminary classmate, went back to our, our seminary for the 500th anniversary conference on the Reformation at my seminary. And these are scary, smart professors. They really are. Very brilliant men, take their faith very seriously, and they had 24 essays and presentations on the Protestant Reformation and the justifications for it. And Marcus said, out of these 24 presentations, all 24 got the Catholic view of justification wrong. Why do they get it wrong? It's been reinforced so many times because people have only heard one half of the story. Let me take you now to the Evangelical Theological Society 
their annual meeting, which was held on November 2010. Now, this society, composed of evangelical theologians, scripture scholars, and philosophers, had been holding annual meetings since 1949. November 2010, which I had the privilege to attend this meeting, had their largest attendance ever. In fact, two of my daughters came to visit me towards the end of the conference. They wanted to do a little sightseeing in Atlanta. Their immediate impression was they had never seen so many Christian men in one place in their entire life. And guess what the subject was that drew so many evangelical scholars, more than any meeting since 1949? The doctrine of justification. You would say, what? You know, after 500 years, you know, you figure the evangelicals would say, hey, this is such old hat. Let's get on to something relevant, you know, cutting-edge scholarship. No, no, it was the doctrine of justification. I went to a workshop led by a Methodist scholar, and it was actually quite invigorating. I was with men in this workshop, and they were having kind of a group discussion of a particular Greek verb in a particular verse in the Gospels in Greek. And these guys didn't even need to open a Greek New Testament to discuss the tense of this verb. This is, this is the level of what was going on. And then the Methodist scholar says, oh, by the way, have you heard of this guy named Scott Hahn? He's, and here's his PhD dissertation. This stuff is really good. In other words, Catholic thought from the other side is now eventually being heard but before I conclude, there's two events, and I'll share the second event with you in the next episode because it's astonishing. But I need to tell you that the Evangelical Philosophical Society meets at the same time as the Evangelical Theological Society. And there is a workshop by Dr. Frank Beckwith, who was the president of the Evangelical Theological Society, resigned just a few months previous, converted to Catholicism, and gave a lecture on Aquinas and justification. The conference room for Dr. Beckwith was literally packed to capacity and spilling out into the hall. The hunger was obvious. These men had heard these scholarly men had heard only one side of a two-sided story on justification. I'd encourage you to go to dads.org or amazon.com and get a copy of my book, Grace and Justification, An Evangelical's Guide to Catholic Beliefs. And join us next episode because you're going to hear something that can literally overturn 500 years of division between Protestants and Catholics. I'm Steve Wood, your host. You've been listening to episode 212 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.